got no money to fix my car When I buy gas, don't get me very far My baby needs some milk to drink And mama wants her wine I get a check each week But I don't know what's mine I'm losing track I don't know what to do I got the budgeting blues Welcome to Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Today, we're chatting with Rich Grant, the author of Let's Meet Miss Money. He's going to share his book, which provides kids with a great introduction to money. But first, we're going to discuss how times of financial stress can be teachable moments for kids. We're about halfway through Financial Literacy Month. And our topic for this episode is financial literacy for kids. But for some, since we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, teaching kids about financial literacy isn't even on their radar. But this could actually be a teaching moment. Sensible Bobby, what do you think? I definitely agree. You know, there's a lot of fear out there right now, not just for adults, but for kids too. Scott, I know you remember Black Monday, October 19th, 1987. That was the day the Dow lost 22% in one day and panic struck everywhere. There were fears about another Great Depression. I was 13 years old and I remember being so scared. I was afraid we were going to be destitute. I didn't have any clue what was going on. And, you know, I had no interest in the markets. I didn't know anything about money. I was not a big news watcher, but I was certainly aware of all the fear that was out there. So if you think the concern you have about all this is not affecting your kids, you could be very wrong. But if the parents are scared, what can they do to take away their kids' fears? Well, if the parents are afraid, the first thing they need to do is deal with that fear and really look at if they're afraid of reality or afraid of the uncertainty, because usually it's the uncertainty of a situation that brings us more fear. So if we can really look at what our reality is today, that gives us a little more calm, and then we can look at the resources we have to move forward with a plan for what may come tomorrow. And that can give us a little bit of peace. Even though times are still uncertain, you have a battle plan to deal with the things that might come. And once you've done that, then you can share that calm with your kids. Explain that money is tight right now, but that everyone can pitch in to conserve what you have and move forward. So get them involved with the budgeting process. And one of the easiest ways is starting with the grocery budget. Once you've set a budget for the groceries, tell them how much it is and show them the list of what needs to be bought with that money. They can go online, look up the prices, and help you stay within the budget. This is going to be a great teaching moment for them because they're going to learn the value of money, why it's important to stay within your budget, and it might also show them why you can't always buy them the Twinkies they want. That sounds reasonable. What are some other ways? Well, they can share ways that they can help save on household items by not being wasteful. You know, the kind of things that kids get frivolous with, like toilet paper, soap, toothpaste, things like that. Another thing to do is go through the utility bills and explain how they can help save in that area by turning off lights, not leaving the refrigerator door open, simple things like that. These are tools that you can give them that feel like they're involved and participating in moving through this time of crisis. So instead of them sitting back just feeling afraid and helpless, they feel confident that they can be part of the solution. 
And if there are bills you cannot pay, be honest with them about it, but also tell them what you're going to do about it. So if you can't pay the light bill, sit them down and say, we don't have the money for the light bill right now. So instead of doing nothing and waiting until the lights go out, we are going to call the electric company. We're going to explain our situation and we're going to work together to find a solution that will keep the lights on. So the bottom line here is that creating a plan to deal with these things is going to go a long way in taking the fear away for you and for your kids. When I was a kid, money was the last thing on my mind other than getting it in my hands. I had no plans for it. I wasn't thinking of college. I wasn't thinking about saving for anything. So how can getting kids started on financial literacy now help them later? Well, first of all, this isn't the last time that you're going to go through a financial crisis, and it's not the last time they will either. I mean, chances are it's not going to be a national financial crisis the next time, but the personal financial crises are always right around the corner, right? There could be a job loss. There could be a major car repair. There could be a major medical bill. So teaching them how to deal with it now is such an important thing because when they have to go it alone later on, they already know how to handle it. You know, all parents want to give their kids everything, bail them out whenever they need help, but that's not always possible. So set them up now to be independent. You may not always be able to make them financially rich, but you can certainly make them resource rich. And if they know what resources are available, how to find them and how to use them, then they have the tools and the confidence to get through anything. You know, it's kind of the give a man a fish mentality. Give a man a fish, they eat for a day. Teach them how to fish, they eat for a lifetime. I'm telling you, empowerment is priceless. But it has to go beyond telling somebody, you have the power to do this. The empowerment comes from showing them the power. And that means showing them the tools, where to find them and how to use them. And this is a great time to start because the stress is real. So get through it together. And the other reason this is a great time to start is because you've got a lot of time on your hands. So use it for something great. But if you have really young kids, where do you start? Our guests can shed some light on that. Okay, class. Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Rich Grant, author of Let's Meet Miss Money. Rich is also the founder of BoomerBaggage.com, whose mission is to improve your financial decision-making while planning for life events and being true to your life goals. Rich, thanks so much for being our guest professor today. Thanks for having me. This is a great little book. It's called Let's Meet Ms. Money. Why did you write this book? Well, I guess the short answer is I wrote the book for children because to make a long-term difference, you really need to start with young folks. And the best place to start making people more financially literate is if they're young. I mean, the earlier in life you begin to do something, the better off you'll be at it. So what age group is this book written for? Probably between four and eight years old. There's a lot of people that say kids at that age are too young to grasp money concepts. Obviously, you don't agree. Tell me where you're at with that. Well, if you really think about it, and I I learned a lot about this guy, four grandkids now, between the ages of three and seven. And that's when I started writing these things as they uh, came along here. And uh, if you really think about it, the concept of money is pretty simple. It's a tool to buy things, right? So it's a simple process. You need money to buy things and you spend money on things that you want or you need. In my mind, it's a fairly simple concept. 
Yeah, and it seems like a good idea to get them going as early as possible because, you know, especially when they start asking questions. I mean, I remember the Family Circle cartoon in the paper and, you know, him saying, how can you be out of money? You know, you still have checks left or, you know, you can just write a check. It won't cost you anything. I think that was it. And I think it's really important for kids, even that young, to understand that there is something beyond just writing a check that they see as not meaning anything, but that there's value behind that and there's services traded for that. Absolutely. As I watch the children read this book, the statements they make really are, now I know when my mom or dad goes to work. So they realize that they're going there to earn something that can help them in their life. And it sounds complicated, but as you go through it in a simple fashion, children do understand They understand that to get something that you either need or want, and I think that's an important concept, that you need to have something to give to get that. And your parents go to work to get that. I love that. And I love this book because the pictures in it, I love the way that you laid out so that they got a sense of what the different denominations of money look like and what the different things are that are wants and needs and how to pair those up. So they really get a good visual and a good understanding of what those things are and why they're important. So why do you think that financial literacy isn't considered important to teach kids? Like, you know, our society says, I mean, you teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic, but never the financial concepts. Why is that? Well, I think it's there's a lot of reasons for that. I guess two major ones. First off, I think that parents, in a lot of cases, aren't well-versed in finance. And I think it's also a cultural thing where people don't like to talk about money, how much they make or how much they spend or what they do with it. So I think those kind of things from a parental perspective are obstacles. I think from a cultural perspective, our society doesn't teach those things in school in part because, again, I don't think the teachers are knowledgeable in the topic. And there's studies out there that show that. And I think it's also from a bureaucratic perspective that to get that into the curriculum is difficult. What can we do to change that? I don't know that it's going to happen in the schools. I think to change it, you really need to change it in the household. If, if you think about as kids grow up, what you don't get in school, you tend to get at home or yeah. quite frankly, in a lot of cases, home is supposed to supplement school as well or the beginning part of that. So I, I think you have to start at home. And to do that, you need parents to take a look at where really where they stand, what their uh, knowledge is in the area and whether or not they're capable of teaching. And if they're not, they need to get to the point where they teach themselves and learn. And there are ways out there. I mean, there's webinars, there's eBooks, there's a whole host of tools you can use to get yourself up to speed. Yeah, what a great gift that would be. I mean, if you can see the importance for yourself and then pass that on to your kids, because look, 78% of us are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And so a lot of us have missed out on those concepts. But certainly, parents always want better for their kids. So it makes sense that they would go out and do that. And like you said, there are so many resources out there now that that can help with that. There's really no reason not to get that kind of education. Even if you, you know, don't become a corporate expert or, you know, you can still educate yourself enough to pass it on to your kids. Then the other thing that I really liked in your book was that beyond counting money, you went into some of the different ways that kids can earn money. But some people are hesitant about the idea of putting their kids to work instead of letting them have their childhood. Where do you see the happy medium on that? I guess from my perspective, the kinds of jobs that you'd ask kids to do so they can learn about money aren't very difficult, if right. you will. And kids should have goals. 
part of growing up, I believe, and teaching people about values is having goals. So to give a child a goal and to give them a way of achieving that goal isn't hard work <laughs> from my perspective. So I'm not sure you need a happy medium. I just think that that's a way of getting a child to understand that you need to work to some degree to be able to earn money to meet your goals. So I don't know that, I, again, I don't, I don't view it as being a happy medium. I, I view it that that's part of teaching a child to grow up. Yeah, (laughs) I totally agree. The other thing is, is that at some point, you know, the kid is going to go out on their own. So if you don't teach them that at home, I mean, come on, (laughs) they need to learn how to fly at some point. And certainly, of course, not when they're, you know, four and eight years old, they've got some time on their side. But it also builds confidence, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that with your grandkids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my kids as well. These concepts are not new. Teaching kids responsibility as they grow up is an important part of being a parent. And part of that these days, in my mind, is becoming financially literate. I recently wrote another book on family values that I broke it down into three areas. One is personal responsibility, personal values. One is moral values. And then the last part of that is to become financially literate. I think financial literacy should be part of your family values. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting approach that you had. Even in this book, you talked a little bit about that. And I think that's so important. And you're right. I mean, they all kind of go together. Because if there is no personal responsibility, you take the victim mentality and, you know, then it's kind of out of your hands. But if you can empower a child and empower yourself to take control of that and see your personal responsibility, that helps a lot in everything and especially your financial matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I wrote that book not too long ago and it was just published. And if I compare the Let's Miss Money book, which is about financial literacy and the Family Values book, which includes financial literacy as part of it, one would think that the Family Values book would be more important to folks versus just a pure money book. But in actuality, the one that sells is the money book. Huh. So it tells me something about our society that we need to incorporate money into the values to make it one holistic goal, I guess, for parents when they raise their kids. It, it can't just be about money. It's got to have include all of it. The need in one concept that is in the book, I, in my mind, is a significant one for young people to understand. You certainly need certain things to, to survive in life, and your family needs things, and you should work to purchase those things. If in addition to that, you want to earn additional monies to get things you want, that's your choice. But people should understand you need money to survive as well. Right. And I like that both of them are there, the needs and the wants, because, you know, I was raised poor and I was raised, there was always money stress and you were just trying to make money to survive. And not on purpose, but just by watching, because I was certainly never told this specifically, but just by watching, I kind of learned that there was nothing beyond that or you shouldn't want anything beyond that. And I've learned in recent years that, you know, the wants are important, too. Uh, Certainly the needs are the most important. I mean, you have to have a roof over your head. But if you can strive for the wants, there's nothing wrong with that. Why else are we? I mean, I don't think that anybody put us here on this earth, whether it was God, nature or an explosion, whatever. I don't think that (laughs) that we were meant to be here just to struggle. I mean, there's got to be something more, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You have goals. I mean, you may want to take your kids to Disney World. That's certainly not a need. That's a want. And to do that, you may need to work a little harder or in some way, shape or form, get some funds to do that. And there's nothing bad about treating your family well. 
Yep. And especially if you can keep that balance so that, you know, I mean, you're not taking the kids to Disneyland, but in two weeks, they're not going to be able to eat. So that's, you know, that's, that, that's right. That's keep right. the balance and we'll be okay. But that goes into the question that you have at the end of your book, which is, can money buy happiness? What is your answer to that question? Well, in the reading I've done and what I've seen, and actually there's studies that have been done, that to some degree money can buy happiness. And that gets to the point of needs and wants. I think to the extent you have enough money to have what you need, and maybe a little bit more depending upon the person, it buys happiness up to a certain point. And if money is all there is in life, that's not going to buy happiness. But if it's there to get your needs and your wants, it does buy happiness. Nobody wants to be poor, but it doesn't mean you need to be ultra wealthy either. So in my mind, there is a happiness effect to having a fair amount of money and knowing how to use it. And I think that's a big issue in today's society too, is knowing how to use the money that you have so that you can become more financially secure. Yeah, because you know we see those lottery winners that win millions of dollars and then they go broke. So it's not really about the money, it's about how you're using it, right? Absolutely right. I have another little book on my site that talks about reducing your income inequality through financial literacy. And that really focuses on the fact that people may have money, but if you don't make the right financial choices, you're not going to have money for long and you're not using it in the most efficient way possible. So people could potentially reduce their, quote, the income inequality by making the right financial choices. Yeah, because that really puts the power back into the person's hand. And I love that because a lot of times I hear, you know, you're shaming me or this or that. I hear that conversation happen a lot when people are saying, maybe you need to look at how you're spending your money. And I don't see it as a shaming thing. I, th- I see it as something that if you are feeling like a victim, then you don't have any power. But if you can put the power back into your hand that you are in control of how you spend that money, even though you're struggling through hard times, and it is hard, but if the power can stay in your hands, then you can be your own hero. Absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to be their own boss or be the person that is the person that makes their destiny in their hands. And clearly having the knowledge to do that. And when you talk about financial literacy, it's all about having the right kind of background and knowledge to make the right choices economically. And that's what we all want. We all want to be able to control our own destiny. Definitely. You know, this book seems like a great icebreaker to start money conversations with kids. So even if parents don't have all the answers, how important is it to have these conversations, even if you're just learning together? I think it's very important. And if you think about it, as you're a parent and you're teaching your children things, in a lot of ways you learn together. Yeah. There's things that you do as a parent with your children that you're learning as you go along. You're trying to find the right approach to do things. So money, in my mind, is no different. If you don't have all the knowledge, you can still learn together. And clearly, you're going to progress a lot faster than a young child will because you're going to go out and get more material. You know, you're going to look at webinars and things of that nature to help yourself grow. But there's no reason why you can't start with a child young. When, when I was putting the book together, people asked me about why I'm using dollars and cents. Because in today's society, we don't use paper dollars and cents, if you will. But I think it's a better illustration for children at that point. The next stage, as we go to age you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, the next 
iteration of this book, we'll talk about you know, how we use credit and things of that nature, what borrowing is, the time value of money, and those kinds of things. But to start with, we want to be able to feel and touch it. So hopefully when somebody's reading the book, they actually have dollars and cents with them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that is so important because that concept is kind of leaving and then it's hard to teach them you know, that counting process and the value of money when there's nothing tangible in front of them. I mean, how do you teach them you know, how to make change for a credit card? I'm, I'm not sure. That's exactly that right. <laughs> it's the next stage, but I think it's difficult to teach the give and take of dollars and cents without actually looking at dollars and cents versus a credit card. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, to your point about parents and kids learning together, I think that almost might be a good thing if the parents are learning with the kids, right? Because then it shows the kids that you don't necessarily have to have all the answers right away, but, you know, there's places that you can go for resources for them, and it's okay that you don't know everything. Your parents don't even know everything, but you're going to get there. Absolutely. I mean, you're teaching your kids to be curious and to want to learn. And that's a good part of being a parent as well. So in the book, there was a place where it was talking about if you don't know a lot about financial literacy, and if it's not being taught to your kids in school, which is typically going to be the case, that there are some resources through PwC. Is that right? That can help with that? There are. PwC is a place that I worked for a long, long time. And on their website, they have resources for kids at different levels. You know, they do it by grade, I think. They do it by first grade, second grade, third grade. And they have curriculums of how to teach kids those kind of things. So they give you examples on lesson plans, if you will. The American Institute of Certified Public Accountants has something very similar. I forget exactly what they call that, but the similar kind of thing. They have curriculums and, and, and different kinds of lesson plans that you can use to teach children about money and about financial literacy. That's cool. There's a whole lot of stuff out there if you search for it. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of it's free. That's awesome. So what has been the most fun or beneficial or both kind of lesson or just fun time that you've had with your grandkids, let's say, in teaching them about money? <laughs> well, I guess the most fun situation that I had, I gave my daughter I think 20 books to give to my eldest grandchild's school. And he brought them to school with them and they read them in the classroom. And he did a little video and sent it to me that basically said that everybody in the class loves Miss Money. They're all reading Miss Money today. <laughs> and it was, it was really a lot of fun. Oh. It was really a lot of fun listening to the video. But also my neighbor gave them a whole bunch of books because her daughter has a daisy troop. And one of their badges was to learn about money. And they used the Miss Money book to teach them about money. And they said they loved that as well. So it's giving kids the tools to learn things in a fun way. They'll do it. So yeah. you got you to gotta make it fun for them to learn. And in my mind, this is a real important topic. As I said before, it should be part of every family's values. That's got to be a great feeling and put a really big smile on your face to see that happen for kids. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for writing this book. It's a great book that I think really introduces kids well. And, you know, it's a great tool for the parents to use to introduce the concept of money to their kids. Where can people buy your book? Well, if you go to my website, Boomer Baggage, Boomer Baggage is a website that I initially put together in the course of when I began to retire. It's, it's really for the boomers to talk about things that they need to do in life and financially as well as to stay in the game with technology and things of that nature. But on, on the website, Boomer Baggage, there's links to the various books I have on financial literacy. That actually, most of them are on Amazon. 
Yeah, and you have a book there called "How to Budget, Save, Spend, and Invest" as well, right? I do, and that's that was a book that I wrote more for adults than for children, but certainly at, at an age where you need to start understanding the process that you can't invest until you saved, and to be able to save, you need to earn money. And budget it so that you have money to invest. It's a simple process if you think about it. It's a matter of having the discipline to follow it. Definitely.、Uh, and the earlier they start, the better. <laughs> absolutely. So that's boomerbaggage.com. And is that the best way for、uh, people to connect with you if they have questions or just want to connect with you on social media? That's the best place. Or rich at boomerbaggage.com is fine too. All right. Well, the book is "Let's Meet Ms. Money," and Rich, thanks again for all your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. A big sensible thank you to our guest professor, Rich Grant, author of "Let's Meet Ms. Money." You can visit his website at boomerbaggage.com for more information about this and his other books on financial literacy. I love the idea of getting kids started early with financial literacy. Rich's book is for kids as young as three. I've heard many times that three years old is too early. They're too young. But think about how young kids are when they start to talk or read. Certainly, make your lessons age appropriate. But kids are sponges. I say the younger the better. What have you got to lose? It takes some effort on your part as a parent, but isn't it worth it? How great would it be for your kids to be financially prepared when they go out on their own? For them never to have to deal with the stress of being mired in debt or living paycheck to paycheck, it is possible, and they can do it with your help. Rich mentioned some great resources to teach kids financial literacy, and I'm going to put links for those in the show notes. But I've also added a financial literacy for kids section to the resources page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. And if you need help figuring out how to get started helping your kids, or how to get started budgeting for yourself, reach out to me. All my budget coaching services are free right now. I'm happy to brainstorm with you, help you create a budget, whatever you need. Use the contact page at sensiblechat.com to get in touch with me. If you're dealing with debt, don't miss the next episode. I'm going to chat with Jackie Beck, creator of the award-winning Pay Off Debt app. We're going to talk about how the app works, why she created it, and what it took for her to become debt-free. In the meantime, remember that no matter how hard your financial struggles are today, you have the power to change it, and the tools are out there for you to use. If you want help finding the tools or learning how to use them, reach out to me. Thanks for joining us today, and remember, when you strip everything else away, budgeting is really just simple math. Solving math problems so you can live your life your way. So remember, do the math, live the life. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. Links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. While you're there, find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show. On social media, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. Thank、you